I'm sure it's probably escaped your attention, but I wear glasses. Now, the reason I wear glasses is I am myopic. If you're not aware, myopic basically is an ophthalmology term which means that I'm nearsighted. If I take my glasses off, you all are little blurry dots out there. But up close, I can clearly read my notes even without my glasses. I had a student in class several years ago, let's call her Heather, and she was myopic. Now, I don't mean that Heather couldn't see far away. In fact, Heather had 20-20 vision. Rather, Heather's myopic was the fact that while she believed that God did indeed love her and had indeed forgiven her, she simply couldn't buy into the idea that God could use her. She couldn't see her future the way that God intended for her to see it. You see, Heather had come to seminary believing strongly that she had a call from God. She was in my vocation and ministry class, which most of you at some point will or have taken. And we were exploring God's call to follow him and what that looks like in terms of our vocational pursuits. And as Heather sat in my class, I noticed that her body language was rather rigid. She would sit there just with her arms folded, just kind of that angry scowl on her face. And I thought after about a week, we need to have a conversation. And so I invited Heather to my office, and we sat down and we began talking. And as I asked her questions, trying to get at the heart of where she was coming from, she told me that all this call stuff was nothing more than crap, her words. Well, as you can imagine, as a seminary professor, I was just a little bit taken back. And I was trying to figure out where is this coming from for her. And so finally, as I thought about it, I said, Heather, if you really believe that, why are you at seminary? And at those words, her entire facade just crumbled. And she sat there just weeping. And after we had an opportunity just to allow that to happen and to console, then she began telling me a little bit of her story. You see, Heather had grown up in a home where when she was only three years old, her parents had divorced. A year later, a new stepfather came into the picture who immediately began sexually abusing her. And this continued up till the age of 16 when she finally had the strength to push him away and say no. Heather decided that she could no longer handle that situation. She left home, kind of lived on her own for a while, eventually entered into college. Heather realized, though, that she had something that really made her stand out, and that was she had a natural beauty about her. Boys were attracted to her. And she realized that when these boys were attracted, it made her feel better about herself. And so Heather did what far too many young women have done, and she gave herself over to them time and time again because it helped her feel better about what had been going on. So sometime after her graduation from college, Heather encountered Christ. And she had a profound conversion in that moment. But as Heather talked with me that day, she says, I know God has forgiven me. I even have a clear sense that God has called me but I can't believe 
that he can use me given all the baggage that I have in my life. How do I understand that? You see, Heather asked a great question that day, and it's the same question I think that we need to answer on a daily basis. Given all of our baggage, how does God ever hope to use you and I? We'll talk about someone with baggage. Moses had it. I mean, think about this. He had grown up in Pharaoh's household. He was by default a part of the establishment that enslaved his own people. Every day he was attended to by servants, by slaves, and he allowed that to happen. And then when he becomes aware that this is actually his people, he goes and the first overseer that he sees beating one of these slaves, he kills. Talk about your baggage. I'm pretty sure that none of you here have the baggage of being a slave owner and a murderer all in the same time. But that was Moses. And so I have no doubt that in those nights when he has had to flee like a criminal with his tail tucked behind his tail, he's run out and he's lived in the desert now for all these years. And I'm sure that on many a night as he looked up pondering at the stars and began to reflect upon his past, he was consumed with all that baggage, with all the things that had happened to him. And it's not until this moment where Moses encounters this bush that things begin to change. Aren't you glad that God doesn't suffer from the same vision problem that we have? That he wasn't just looking at the baggage Moses had but he was looking at who Moses could become under God's guidance. And I want to suggest for you today that what God is calling you to become is what's most important. Not the baggage that you bring to the table, not the things that have defined you up till this point, but who God is continuing to refine you to become. You see, I'm convinced that for most of us, after that initial excitement of forgiveness kind of wore off, when that moment when God came into our lives with some powerful ways, we were faced smack in the face with reality. I mean, even though we can move beyond our past in one sense and we're not defined by it, the truth is still there, right? It continues to linger. I view it as kind of like that. Um, my son and my daughter both played sports um, all through um, junior high and high school. And there were times that you would walk into the room and those gym shoes were sitting there. And no matter what you do, there's a funk that's associated with that, right? There's just that odor you can't get rid of. It follows you everywhere you go. And I think in some ways, that nasty funk is what you and I deal with as well. I mean, think about Heather again. She eventually came to understand that while she could move beyond her past and she wasn't defined by it, but she really struggled to trust that she could step out into God's new plan for her. You see, trusting God was difficult because of her past. She had placed her trust so many times in others who had continually let her down. And that kind of funk, that can absolutely foul up what God wants to do in your and my life. And I believe Moses was even feeling that. 
Notice that after God tells Moses what the job is, Moses' response is, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? I'm just a lowly sheep herder. I'm a former slave owner. I'm a murderer. Who am I that you should send me to bring out these Israelites? You see, he's feeling the effects of his past. And he's wondering, would Pharaoh even be able to listen to him given all that? You know, I've taught here long enough now to recognize that there are a lot of students that God is calling on you to step up, to take the next step in your journey, to follow his call for your life, potentially even to take on a new ministry. But for many of you, because of those decisions you've made in your past, you struggle to do that. In fact, you're fearful that you won't be able to do it because that past has been so powerful. How will they trust me? How will they ever be able to look past those things that I've done in the past and be able to move and follow as we move forward? Well, those things that are in the past can continue to haunt us even after we've been forgiven. And I think that's why one of my favorite verses is found in 2 Corinthians 5, chapter 17, one that you know so well. If anyone is in Christ, she or he is a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. It reminds us that our past does not have to invade our future any longer, that we can move forward. And so knowing this funk that Moses is stuck on, God takes his time with him. I mean, after all, 40 years of feeling like a failure doesn't vanish overnight, right? It takes time to get over all those past regrets. And so Moses give, or God gives Moses, I should say, a new identity. But even perhaps more importantly, God begins to fully reveal himself to Moses. Because you see, to live fully into our calling requires regular encounters. Notice the plural. Regular encounters with the divine. And when that residue of funk is all thick and nasty... God alone is the one who will be able to take care of it. You see, our good intentions and our want to won't be able to do it. Only God can do that. And so God basically says to Moses, don't tell me about your past, for I am the God of the past. I've been there. I'm fully aware of all that occurred in that moment. And so Moses realizes that God knows him, which probably terrifies him even more. But God, in essence, goes on to say, but I'm also the God of the present. And I'm the God of the future. I'm walking with you. And even in those moments when fear strikes you and you don't think that you can make it, that you're afraid that your past is going to be so overwhelming that no one will listen to you, I'm present. And I will be with you in that moment. I am who I am. And while there's many different interpretations of that particular phrase, perhaps the one that I like best and most appropriate for this, I will be who I need to be. That God will do what is necessary to help me overcome that funk, that residue, those limitations in my life. There's nothing that he can't work through to use us. And then lastly, understand 
that God is so proactive in our lives, so faithful, that he will use us because of our past. That those things that have previously defined us can now be redeemed for his glory as he utilizes us to minister to others in that process. God looks at us and says, don't run away from it. This is a part of who you are, and I want to use that for my purposes to reach others. I mean, again, think again about Pharaoh here. Having grown up in the Pharaoh's household, he knew decorum. He knew the way that things operated. He knew who to speak to, the right way to say the words. He knew the protocols that were involved there. So when God calls him to go to Pharaoh again, Moses knows how to do it. His past becomes pivotal there. Think about the fact that as a young baby, he was set adrift in a, a tar and pitch covered little basket. And then until he was discovered, there was always the danger that he would be capsized or an alligator would eat him or something along those lines. And so I can only imagine that after Moses has led the Israelites out and they're standing before the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army is closing in behind, that Moses looked at it and said, huh, water. I've been through that before. I can do this because God is leading the way. Or lastly, think about the fact that after Moses fled Egypt, he wandered in the desert tending sheep for 40 years. He had to get the sheep from point A to point B. He had to continually search for food and water. It seems like that's pretty good preparation for leading a multitude of Hebrew slaves toward the promised land and being able to provide for them as God gave him the wisdom to do so. Sometimes I think it's crazy that we spend so much time trying to escape our past when God wants to use it for his glory. What if the very thing that you've been trying to escape is also the very thing that God wants to use to help bring healing and hope and restoration to others? The question is, are you willing to give it to him and allow him to do that? You see, the future is wide open for us. God wants to take you beyond anything that you could ever have imagined. And as we embrace God's calling on our lives, we never know where or how God will use us. All we know for certain is that he will. Amen.